Hey everyone, and welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. Uh, my name is Miguel, and I'm joined with my co-hosts, Charlie and Haley. Say hi, ladies. Hi. Oh, hey. All right. Look how well-behaved we are. <laughs> yeah, look at that. You would never know. You would never know the things that we say. <laughs> Off stream, yeah. <laughs> I already regret saying that, but never mind. Anyways, so lovely to see you all. Uh, Haley, for those of you who are tuning into the video feed, is in a lovely cabin. It's really very jealous. I am. It's not a bad view. It's not a bad, not a bad situation. It's going to, yeah, I, I traveled with my mic. So I'm like, you know, Ooh, yeah. right. I feel really cool holding the mic like this. Just, it's like, a, you look cool too. Don't worry. You're like a game <laughs> show host. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are doing a, something we haven't done in a little bit, which is a Q and a session. So I really like these episodes because they're kind of loose and fun and we kind of get to talk about whatever our audience wants us to talk about. Of course, we also have a few things that we can bring up and talk about too, but for anybody who has any questions and is watching live, this is one of the benefits of showing up live is that you get to ask any question you want and we'll talk about it. So while you're thinking on that, I was thinking maybe something that I was interested in was something that Charlie's doing. I follow her on Instagram and I noticed that she did something kind of cool which was she's very transparent about her income and how her side hustle and her main hustle kind of coincide with each other and kind of how she balances that and how, how she gets income from those things. So my question is to Charlie about why do you choose to do that? You don't mm. have to do that, obviously. <laughs> so what is what is the reason mm. for doing that? Wait, though. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Before we answer, uh, for everyone that's listening, Ben over here in, in the chat, Ben on our team and Miguel are really good friends. And I just found it really comical <laughs> that Ben in the chat, as Miguel was asking his question, Ben is asking the exact same question, which <laughs> just goes to show that you guys really are two peas. And I just, I, I love your relationship. You're two peas in a pod. They used to have a, like a Friday chat just to talk about things they liked. How cute is that? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> we called it the finer things club from the office. <laughs> And we just got together and just chatted about whatever we thought was cool and nerdy. But now we just play video games all the time after work. So we just chat then. So the meeting is no longer a thing because now we just run around and play PlayStation. So I was upset because I asked if I could be. I love talking about things that I like. I love talking about stuff like that. It's so enjoyable for me. And I was like, can I? I saw I was trying to book a meeting with Ben or with Miguel. I can't remember. And I, I was like, what's this? finer clubs meeting Cl you know what is this like i feel like yeah she was creeping on my g-cal yeah. <laughs> i felt like i had to be a part of it but maybe now charlie i apologize for the interruption back to regular scheduled programming charlie <laughs> so wait miguel your question is why do i do this and then ben is asking what's the emotional process of sharing it so i guess you did have both slightly different questions but your minds are on the same topic so I guess his question is way more thoughtful than mine. I mean, <laughs> the way he phrased it is a lot more tactful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think they're both good questions, honestly, because you're right, Miguel. You don't have to share that level of detail. Like no one's making you, you got to share it with the mm -hmm. tax man, but that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I do this though, because of how much value I've gotten from seeing similar reports from other creators, our very own Nathan Barry has written some really, really useful income reports over the years that, um, especially when I was getting started as a creator and perhaps when he was doing more 
non-convertkit things. Um, it was really interesting for me to see where it was spending his time and what was generating income from him. So it's useful for that aspect, seeing what other creators choose to focus on in terms of income streams, but also showing the potential of some of them as well. Like until I heard that someone had had like a six figure course launch, I had, which to us like now maybe sounds fairly normal. Like we sort of hear this story a lot, but several years ago when I heard that for the first time, I think it was Sean McCabe I first heard this from. I was like, what? You can make that much money from launching a course? Are you kidding me? And it sort of just showed me what, like what's possible as a, as a creator. So that's why I do it. And over the years, I've gotten more and more comfortable sharing more and more details. Like I started my first report, which I think is four years ago now, just reporting in percentages. So this is something we do as part of our uh, creator stories on the ConvertKit blog is show what portions of income are relative to each other. So like 20% from products, 50% from YouTube, that sort of thing. I just reported in percentages for that, that first few years. But then I guess over the past few years, I've gotten really comfortable talking about money more, kind of breaking down this taboo. I started out sharing my salary history in a video um, last January, I think. And since then, I've just like slowly opened up more and more talking about money. And that piece got picked up quite a bit from different Mm -hmm. publications, which was cool. Yeah, it was cool, which is cool, but also kind of sad that just someone talking about their salary was worthy of a news article, you know, because it is such a taboo thing. And that, you know, someone talking about it made literal news um, was was an interesting thing. But yeah, so this report goes into detail of everything, like real numbers behind every stream of income that I've earned. Some of them, are like you look at them and you're like, oh, you're telling me you only made 17 pounds from selling merch. I'm like, yep, that's what I'm sharing with you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this did not generate much income from me. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> I love anything that makes taboo things not taboo Mm. anymore because, especially when it comes to money, because Mm. I feel like everybody loses in that. Like if it's this thing that you hold close to your chest and you don't talk about, especially in a community like the creator community where there's such a everybody helping each other out kind of mentality and like this very close knit sort of everybody wants other people to succeed and it's not this sort of like cutthroat business. It just, it's always really cool to see that. That, that sort of transparency because there's there's so many unknowns to becoming a creator and you I feel like you have to sort of piecemeal it together by you know watch some YouTube videos on how these people did it yeah. and you follow some creators and then you you're on these you follow newsletters and and you you go to meetups and you sort of have to kind of like figure it all out and just people who are just sort of lay it all out on the line and say this is me this is what I do this is how it all breaks down might help somebody getting started maybe make that decision. And ultimately, I mean, if somebody asks me how much money I make, I don't think that that's rude. My my instinct is to think it's mm-hmm. rude. That's what you're told, right? Right, yeah. exactly. But I mean, maybe it's maybe part of it is working at ConvertKit, where everybody everybody here is very much about transparency. And you know, right now I could log on and look at our salary scales, and I may not necessarily know what sort of level a specific person is at, but. I can look at a certain role and say, okay, a level two person that is doing this in our company makes this much money. And that I feel like makes it less taboo. It makes it less weird and it makes it easier to plan your careers and have conversations that are fair. And I don't know. Anyway, rant, rant over. No, agreed. Agreed on all of it, Miguel. And um, I honestly wish that creators were more transparent when it comes to this sort of thing. I found it really difficult as a creator to 
Know what to charge for a sponsorship, for example. There's some people out there who will tell you, but you really have to get close to someone, like close enough to create a friend to ask for advice on it. And even then, I found that a lot of the times they will um, give advice to me, but it won't be based on saying, well, I had this sponsorship and I charged this much. You know, it was more like, maybe you should charge in this range. So I think it's something that we still need to work on breaking and that I wish, um, yeah, I wish there was more of more of it. Yeah. I think it's kind of still we're in a period of time where influencer marketing for a sponsorship, for example, it's unknown territory. Not yeah. like we haven't been doing it long enough mm-hmm. to where, you know, there's these set prices, right? It feels like every company is different. Every company weights these things totally differently. Every company has different experiences as far as how influencer marketing generates more for their business. And so it's such a game. And so I think that one of the things, the lessons here though, and sponsorship specifically, I've had this conversation so many times, is people undervaluing their what they bring to the table or their mm-hmm. their audience or fans, like how essentially how how much their audience and their how much their fans uh, like really value their opinion. And you just have to, that's one of those places where you have to know your audience so well to understand your value. Because if you have an unengaged audience, then your value is not going to be there. But it's it's a really interesting unknown territory for sure. But I don't think it's weird. I talk about money probably too much sometimes. I don't think it's weird at all. But specifically like female to, you know, woman to woman in the business world, it feels like it's always been a place where women to some degree in in the last, we'll say the last, you know, it, it's it's slowly changing. But over the last hundred years, it feels like it's a place where women have been taken advantage of. And so oh, yeah. I find that when I have peers and I did this with Alexis Teichmiller, you know, a lot when she was on our team. And we still talk about it today, but where I was at every salary level, at every job I've ever had. And it was just a really helpful tool for her because then she had a baseline. And this is before ConvertKit had standardized salaries. You hear Nathan and Barrett tweet about this a lot. You know, how do you get good employees or good, you know, hire good team members? And they're like, standardize your salaries. Like that's one Mm -hmm. of the, one of the ways that you can make the hiring process so much easier. But Anyways, we could talk about money all day long, man. There's so many different rabbit holes on the on the money side of things. I do just, I feel like I didn't probably answer Ben's part of the question of the emotional process of sharing it. Because I will say that it is scary to be that transparent because mm. you know that anyone who is close to you is not going to judge you for it or think negatively of you for it or things like that. But there's always going to be people out there who think that anytime you talk about like a good number, that you're bragging and that you're putting it out there to brag. Um, I don't know. That's just, it's a concern that I have, but it's not one that stops me from, from sharing. I do think that with people who are close to you as well, it can maybe inadvertently change what they think because I, I definitely found that since I shared my salary video last year, like I even noticed within my family, like normally they're not taking advantage of me or anything. I'll say that up front, but like, you know, you go out for dinner, I offer to pay. There would be some sort of like, no, 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 I've got this from my <laughs> mom and dad. Now that doesn't happen. If I say I want to pay, they're like, yeah, we'll let Charlie pay. We know she can afford it sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so, oh, you know. I love that that's happening from your parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which has been funny, but yeah, just wanted to share that the emotional, it is like, we're talking about it. Like, it's like, clearly everyone should do it and all that, but just want to recognize that it is, it can be a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not easy for me, but I do it because I want to, and I believe that the, 
the struggle parts of it are worth it in the end. We've got another question from Ben. Should we go into this one? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, Ben's asking, what is the biggest lessons? Actually, Ben, it's what are the biggest lessons <laughs> you've learned from doing this podcast? Either lessons from the creation of the podcast or ideas from guests you've had on that you resonated with. Oh, man, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. We've had so many awesome guests on here from all different kinds of walks of life and different professions and from artists to professionals to, so I'm trying to think, man, does anything pop into your, your heads, ladies? I think for me, I've been pleasantly surprised at this three person. Oh, damn it, Charlie. Thing. Was that what you were going to say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I, I've been doing a, I, let's call it a duo podcast, I guess, for many years now. Um, like our podcast might be six years old nearly that's maybe not that's a long time design life is it's been going a long time and uh that's been us two hosts and yeah i guess i was i was not dubious but i was like hmm how's it going to work having three people hosting are we going to talk over each other all the time is it going to be weird is it going to be basically just everyone taking a turn to speak but i felt like it's been a really good format for us we do talk over each other but it feels natural it feels like a conversation well, let's let's be honest here. It's really me that talks over the two of you. You know, Miguel never talks over either one of us. Almost if, to a fault, I would say. Yeah, almost to a fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things that I've learned is that uh, especially when especially when there's four people and there's three mm -hmm. of us and there's a guest, I also always sometimes feel like I'm kind of just like a fly on the wall and I'm like trying to kind of but uh, nope, uh, trying to get in there and I'm just like, well, it's been I think 25 minutes and I haven't said a word. So I'm just like, I'm just going to steamroll over the next thing that's said. And I'm not, I don't give a shit. So, uh, But that actually, I don't want to say I like that, but I feel like your questions when there's four people on the podcast, your questions are always the most introspective because mm -hmm, you're sitting mm -hmm. back and listening. And my, unfortunately, I, I, this is a skill that I have to work on, but sometimes I get so focused on the thing that I want to say next that I, I have a hard time active listening, you know, and that's something that I really work on in both my personal life and my professional life as well. But the podcast has been a great place for me to like practice that habit in, in a different environment that really requires it, you know? And so that's been something I've been working on. Not great at it, but I've been working on it. Yeah, well, I mean, the dynamic of a three-person conversation is nice because sometimes two people will be talking directly to each other. And if you're that third person, you're not, you can be more of an active listener, like you said. And you don't have to be worrying about like, I have to come up with something to what they're saying right now because there'll be that awkward silence if I don't. So then maybe I'm not listening as well because I'm too worried about what I'm going to say next. So it's just kind of nice to just kind of sit back and take the sidelines for a moment while two people are kind of going back and forth and then sort of inserting your perspective in there. And it takes the conversation into cooler places instead of just kind of like a tennis match. Yeah. Another thing um, I've really enjoyed doing on this podcast, or I, I think I've learned that um, is a great format for having like an intellectual conversation is adding in an article into it. That's been something mm -hmm. that I feel like has been really, has worked really well for us because there's so many talking points, you know, like we each, all three of us have our own separate 
ConvertKit roles and jobs. And not to say that this podcast takes a backseat to those things, but oftentimes it's not something that we prioritize as well as we should. And so when you ha- we have an article where something where we're talking about something specific that's happening in the creator economy, I feel like that has been, that's just been a great a great resource for us, I think. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe now is a good time to ask for feedback on this show from our listeners because we have been, we took over the show in January. So it's been about six months now, right? That we have been the hosts of the Future Belongs to Creators. And we are aware that it is a very different show from when Nathan and Barrett hosted it. You don't get a Barrett dance in a song at the start of every episode. <laughs> you don't get Portland <laughs> weather every episode. Yeah. So instantly already a better podcast. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. Did I just get fired? Yeah. I think I just got fired. <laughs> but no, honestly, I'd love to hear what people are thinking about this new version of the show. Um, or maybe you discovered this show when we took it over and this is the only version you've ever known. Your feedback is still very valuable to us. Let us know. I guess uh, what's the, maybe tweet us at ConvertKit and you can just be like, I've got some feedback on the future vlogs to creators. <laughs> we'd, love to, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting the second half of Ben's question, going back to that real quick, mm-hmm. is talking about ideas from guests mm. that you've resonated with. Ben actually was a guest on mm-hmm. our show and also a co-host once, not that long ago. So I've had a chance to talk to Ben a little bit about this. And one of the things that I've always struggled with was uh, I feel pressure coming up with topics for us to talk about mm-hmm. because I feel like it's really important to keep the quality of the show to the point of, if I'm a listener, I want the topics to be relevant to me. I want them to be Mm -hmm. something I'm excited about. I want, if I'm taking the time to tune in, I want it to be worth my time. And I feel like I have a big responsibility to our listeners to make sure that it's something that it's something that's enjoyable for them. At the very least informative Mm -hmm. seeing Ben, Ben showed it off when he was co-hosting, I think, or maybe we just talked about it, but he had this long list of topics for his podcast that he had never done. And I'm talking like maybe maybe a hundred, maybe more in there of just ones he's done and hasn't done. And he just like has a running dock where he just throws ideas in there. And I was blown away by that because I feel like almost every couple of weeks I, I run through my, my, my backlog of ideas and I'm like trying really hard to come up with the next batch mm. of topic ideas. Um, I don't know if you ladies have had this experience too, but um, one of the things that I've resonated with me from Ben is just being more uh, proactive about brainstorming those ideas and then maybe highlighting the ones that I really want to talk about or, you know, or maybe just letting them sit and then coming back to them and then maybe deciding it's not a good idea or maybe that'll spark a new idea and I'll have a better topic or something like that. Yeah. One of my favorite guests has been Josh, who Haley works with on Creator Sessions. I feel like that was a really good episode. And I learned a lot from it, from a side of the music industry that I just like didn't know about, you know? It was a fun podcast episode to like, where we were learning along with our listeners, really. Cause I've been like a huge music fan. Music's been a big part of my life for a very long time. But um, yeah, there was a lot that I didn't know that went into it. And so I loved that episode. Would highly recommend a listen. I don't know what episode number it is, but you'll figure it out if you want to listen to it from me talking about yeah. it. <laughs> you know, it's funny about that because I've been working with Josh for, I, th- I mentioned this on that podcast, but I've been working with Josh for almost a year, a little over a year now. I think we started working together last May, uh, maybe April, April, March, April. And 
Man, he is just like a wealth of inspiration. But it was the very first time that we were on a Zoom or not Zoom. Like we had talked, we always talk on the phone. And I just found that to be such a fun, uh, fun episode for so many reasons. But that was also one of them. I was like, huh, Josh, in like real we're life. seeing each other face to face. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, that was fun. Miguel just said that Josh was uh, episode 115. I do like Melanie's question here, though. What do you do when you're feeling uh, creatively uninspired or unmotivated? And as soon as you asked this question, Melanie, I knew my answer. I struggle to be creative when I'm in my own head. Mm. So what I do personally is I will ask for like a call or I'll get on a call with Charlie and I can just, if we just start spitballing, not necessarily like we're spitballing to come up with an idea, but we just start talking and we're talking about the future, what something looks like, or, you know, ideas or not, maybe not necessarily ideas, then all of a sudden ideas start flowing in my mind. But I am really creatively inspired when I'm around other creative people. And so I try to get into that space rather than sitting in my own aloneness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, you know, um, it's really hard for me when I to get out of that stage. And sometimes what, what I think is really interesting is it doesn't always require me necessarily to be talking to someone, but I could just be at a coffee shop and I can feel the energy around me. And I know this last year, you know, that maybe hasn't necessarily been a thing, but feeling the energy of other creative entrepreneurs or creative people, whether that's in conversation or in an environment where there's just energy is always the thing that that gets me out of that creative rut. It's funny because one of the people that I feel like I've always done that with is my mom. Because with my mom, my mom is 20,000 times more creative than I am. She's like, I, I can strategize, but she can execute. You know, she's very tactilely creative. So she can, she can draw. She, she's just very talented, draw, paint, all the things. She's like Martha Stewart on steroids is what I usually say. <laughs> but my mom will throw out an idea. And because she's my mom, I feel comfortable being like, nah, nah, I got it. I got it. I don't even need you anymore. You know, and then I can just roll with it. <laughs> Because you had that conversation and talked it through. Yeah. I just like, she's just always Mm -hmm. been this person. I'll like bounce an idea off of her and she'll come back with something. And then as soon as she comes back with someone, I'm like, nope, I got it. All right. Bye. Thanks for the help. I think it's really important to like, it's great that you know what you need to be creatively inspired and like what to do to get out of that rut. Because yeah, I don't know. That's something I'd recommend every creative figures out. And I guess Mm. the way to do it is to note like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling in the flow right now. What's what led to this? Like, how did I get here? So that when you're out of it, maybe you can learn from that to, to find ways to get back in. Yeah, I find that for me, my environment, what like what I'm currently surrounded by tends to affect me a lot. Mm-hmm. So I try to set up my environment around me. I try to set myself up for success. And if I find that where I am isn't really working out for me, like maybe I've just been in this room all day long and I'm just feeling weird or I'm feeling uninspired. Maybe what I need to do is go work somewhere else. Maybe that means some other part of my house, maybe something, someplace that gets more sunlight. Maybe I just need to go walk my dog or go for a run, but I just need to be somewhere else Mm -hmm. because I just feel like I've sort of like painted myself into a corner here. So maybe I, I try to open up my surroundings to invite more things that might 
happen to me that might spark an idea or something. You know, on my walk with my dog, I something I might see something or bump into someone, uh, or just my dog might make me laugh doing something silly or hilarious. Jake. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> and then that might kind of like get me out of where I am mentally and sort of get get me unstuck and thinking about something else. Because if you're stuck and you realize, wait, I've been in here for hours. Let me get myself yeah. out of here, you know? That reminds me, um, actually, before this, because I love it so much, I was watching Charlie's YouTube episode on her art gallery wall. And one oh. of the things she said <laughs> in it was that so much of her art on her wall is this is her office, this is her workspace, her creative space. And sometimes she needs to hear and see the message that's, you know, resounding like around her. And, you know, like the banner, which I can see the behind you, the Oxford, the pennant, you know, you'll think of something. And just looking at that has been, I love that pennant. I remember as soon as I saw it, I was like, I need to have that. But I think having a creative space that you sit in every day is also something that can be really inspiring when you're in a, a room with four white walls you know, that might not necessarily evoke the most inspiring. But you know what? That's what some people need to feel inspired is to like yeah. not have the distraction. I had an email from someone being like, does your gallery wall ever cause you problems with focus or like, does it distract you? And I'm <laughs> like, what the fuck? No, it doesn't. It's great. Um, but you know, that's what some people need. Did you just drop the F-bomb? I Did may that- have accidentally, but we brushed past it. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Haley, you can't say it now. <laughs> I took it for the episode. I feel like I always take it. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to be the one that always took it, but nope. Charlie coming in hot. I had someone actually, because on my gallery wall, if I just turn my camera around a little bit, you can see there's a print here that has an F-bomb on it. And I had someone re- comment on that video you're talking about Haley being like, there's one I don't like. It's right next to your Future Belongs to Creators banner and it's uncouth. And it's, I was like, okay, well, whatever. We can, there's <laughs> oh boy. better things to worry about in the world. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is I actually, if I opened up all my, showed you my tabs, I went onto your site where your uh-huh. gallery, your gallery wall links were. Cause I've asked you about that one before. I just, you know, didn't pull the trigger when I, when I had it <laughs> or when you had told me about it. And I have it up in an open tab right now so I could buy it. So nice. Ready to purchase. I love it. If, if anyone else is looking for an F-bomb print for their wall, it's on uh, Tin One <laughs> Studios website. <laughs> there you go. But okay. Can I just say before we get too much off track, I'm very similar to you, Miguel, in terms of what to do and feeling uninspired is I need to change. Like if I, if I get into a rut and I get stuck, I need to completely change out of it. I have this desktop computer I'm on right now and I also have a MacBook. So I will often like literally stop using this computer that I've been stuck on and go use a different one to try and get out of it. And I'll sit like in a different place in my house to, yeah, just try and like break free of those bad vibes that were um, plaguing me previously. Yeah. Yeah. We have this question here from Emily which I think is a good one. How do you handle growth and momentum on your side gig when you can't give it the attention it needs? I feel like this is something, Haley, that you experienced with uh, Happy Happy Houseplant, right? Um, we talked about this a while ago in an episode about how you knew you couldn't like take part in the growth of it because it was requiring too much of you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately what I did, I don't know if it's the right answer, but what I did is I just had to walk away from it. Well, I think it's it's an answer. I don't think there is a right answer here, yeah. right? It's whatever works for you. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, we, we've obviously talked about this, but there was, you know, we had some like personal family things going on. And then I had, you know, my kids were in COVID and my business partner has a really, she, um, Mandy, 
she's actually filming a show right now for Magnolia Network. So she had a lot of things that were going on. And so she really needed me to come in and step in. And ultimately I made the decision that it just wasn't the right time for me to pursue a side gig. And the challenge with Happy Happy Houseplant for me was that I was also launching creator sessions at the time, right? And there were so many things that I had to learn inside this other thing that I was doing that I was prioritizing. Sometimes it's hard for me to correlate because like obviously I work for ConvertKit and I'm not an entrepreneur in that way. And Happy Happy Houseplant was my entrepreneurial gig. And so the challenges that maybe I faced with that side hustle is more applicable, right? But ConvertKit to me was, it was my priority, you know, like that for me was the way that I, you know, feed my family and things like that. And so I would say Happy Happy Houseplant is doing really well monetarily. And it was a really hard thing to step away from. Yeah. (laughs) I just talked to my husband about it the other day, actually. And I said, I said that could have offered us significantly more financial freedom if I had, if I could just have stuck in it, like stuck it out. But I have to be like comfortable with my, my decision. And I ultimately decided like I needed to put my family first, you know, and there's always like, I can always go back if I choose to do that. It's the door is not closed for me. It's just, it was closed for me at the, the, you know, founder partner level type thing. And so in that way. I love your story about this, Haley, because I think it's the reality for a lot of people and it doesn't get talked about enough is, you know, we only hear about the big successes of like, I did this thing and it worked out great. And not the like, I had to make this really hard decision to walk away from something that had potential just because of the lack of capacity. And that's a reality for anyone creating on the side. And I would say that my answer to it is kind of similar in that there's a lot of things that I don't do in terms of my side gig because I just can't give it the attention that it needs. I've had so many people tell me like, you should be making a course. That's where the money is, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it, but I just can't. I just cannot fathom making a course right now. It just can't be a priority for me and that can't be something that I focus on. So yeah, but maybe for the for the stuff that I am doing for my side gig that is growing and has momentum, I've outsourced a lot of people. We had Chloe on to the last episode, right? I've outsourced a lot of my content production management stuff to her, which has helped me give attention to the like the creating side of things, which has been fun. I'm glad to be at a point with my side gigs where I can invest in stuff like that. I think I spent, because I totaled it out for this income report, like 15,000 pounds on freelancer fees in the past year, which is, I don't know, 20 something US thousand US dollars, which is a lot of money <laughs> if I thought about yeah. paying that from like my paycheck. But because my side gigs are bringing in money, it, you know, it all works out. Yeah, I uh, I don't necessarily have a, a, a side hustle per se, but... Um, I do have people always asking me to make things out of wood for them. And, and this is a very- <laughs> Like t- Haley? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me? Well. <laughs> ship that, sh- ship it. It's fine. I mean, it's not, or just, you know, put it on a plane when you come to Idaho. Yeah. With you, with you, it's easy because you're 2000 miles away. So I can easily <laughs> be like, sorry, you're just too far. <laughs> but the people that are like within my geographical circle- I, of course, my instinct is I always want to say yes. I always want to come through for them and I, it's always fun, but uh, it's a time suck to work on something like woodworking, especially at the to the quality where you would feel comfortable 
someone's giving you money for it, or at the very least, it's like a close family friend that you want to give them something nice and you don't want to give them a chair that they shouldn't shit in. Wow. Sit in. <laughs> okay. Good Lord. Hello. <laughs> Blowing past that. They sit in this Miguel's chair and it falls toilets. asleep. La, 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 la. So they, you don't want to give them something that falls apart after they use it four times either. So anyways, man, I'm going to be, I can't even think anymore. Anyways. This episode's going off the rails. <laughs> well, damn it to hell. All that to say is... You say no is is your answer. Yeah, you have to say no. But mm-hmm. the way that I found to go around this is things that are local. For example, my barber is branching out and starting his own barber shop. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a great guy. He's my age. And he wants to go out on his own. And he has a very specific sort of like mid-century modern sort of aesthetic that he wants to do his barber shop in. And I've made stuff for him before. And he likes the things that I make. And he wants me to basically build out all the cabinetry and just and benches and like do his entire new barbershop. And I'm like, that sounds like a dream come true to take on a project that ambitious. And I am very worried that I don't have the time that he needs because I know that if I don't come through, he's opening in two months. Mm. I I don't want my desire to do something that fun end up screwing him over because, because I don't have the time to give it. So I have a really hard decision to make in that saying yes or no to this. And if I do say yes, it's basically going to eat up all of my weekends for the next two months to do it at the quality and level that I want to do it at. It's the responsible choice to make though. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not just, I have to make sure that I do what's right for him. Mm -hmm. So in this case, to kind of port this over to what we do here is you have to make sure that what you're doing is ultimately also good, not just for you, but for your audience Mm -hmm. or those people who are you maybe come to rely or expect with something that you're doing. Maybe it's a a weekly newsletter or whatever it is. So my advice would be just to communicate as much as possible. Don't just ghost people. Don't just start doing it every other week or whatever. Just be like, hey, life's changing. This is what's going on. This is what I can commit to and still do it at a level that I'm proud at. And I think that's, that's okay. Yeah. And I, I've learned the hard way, Miguel, in terms of taking on a project that I really shouldn't have. Um, a few years ago, I took on this freelance website project that just did not go well. Like I did the design and build, and then when we shipped it, there was issues and bugs, and I just didn't know how to fix them. And I really let down my client, who was also a friend. It was, yeah, not a good situation. And so I learned oh. from that that I'm terrible at scoping that kind of work and probably shouldn't be taking it on freelance, um, you know, when there's a set deadline for a client. That's tough. Yeah. So you had the foresight to decline from the start, which was much better than how I approached it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right, ladies. Well, it's, these have been really good questions. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Melanie, Emily, Ben, everybody uh, who's contributed. Sorry if I left someone out. Mysteriously, Teddy isn't here. I hope he's feeling okay. Yeah, it's weird when there's an episode without Teddy. Or maybe he is here and he's just kind of doing the Miguel thing and lying in the shadows waiting for his turn. (laughs) I also want to shout out Melanie because Melanie said that they didn't know that there was a previous version of this show. So we are the future Monster Creators to Melanie and I really like that. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. The future belongs to the three of us Us. as far as this podcast (laughs) is concerned. Uh, Who's who's, uh, Nathan and Barrett? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Who are they? Yeah, they were just the ones that did 99 episodes so we could roll in out of nowhere and be like, boom, 100 episodes, Episode 100. baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. 
All right. Well, All right. ladies, as always, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again to everybody who asked great questions. Thank you for everyone who tuned in live and hope to see you next week. See you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.